0: This podcast is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thanks to Jeremy, Jonathan, and Derphaven for their support.
1: Welcome to the Probably Bad Podcast. A podcast is definitely bad. I'm Pencil.
2: I'm Paper. Today's Probably Bad RPG idea is... Refusing to differentiate important and unimportant information in your scene description.
1: Looking around Ruined Street, you see a few burnt-out houses, various bits of rubble, 4,000 demons pointing swords at you, a pile of knocked-over street signs, and a stray cat. This is one of the most popular posts I've ever done. Based on replies, it's entirely due to people wanting to pet that cat. No no one has noticed the demons, it's just like two thousand people all talking about how much they love that stray cat i don't know if this is relevant to the question but everyone loves cats
2: i mean i feel like keeping everything at the same level of importance is quite good because it's very easy to just kind of say a plot hook and then have the characters go investigate it But it's equally easy to say a plot hook and then the characters go and do something else even if you make it obvious what the plot (laughs) hook is.
1: Yeah, in mystery games there's often the kind of ah, the GM mentioned a bookcase. Clearly there's going to be like a book fair that we need to find. But yeah, there's also the issue of the GM mentioned a bookcase for Flavor and we're going to spend the next half an hour trying to knock it over to find a secret door in it. Because, yeah, I think that there's an... um, Yeah, it's good to have a few red herrings just for, like... Red herring's not the right word. A few things which are just there for scenery or background, just so the world feels a bit more like an actual world rather than a series of plot hooks in a room.
0: So I
2: know you didn't mean to say red herring, but... Mm. Everything being given the same amount of importance is a really good way to give red herrings. Yeah, like what if it is actually the cat that's important? <laughs> I
1: mean, I, there were like some. There was some comments which were on the lines of like, "Yeah, as you go and fight the demons, the cats just mould you all."
2: But yeah, what if the demons are working for the cat? <laughs> what if the demons are the cats from Cats?
1: I feel like. That's another thing that it's good to just sneak into the description. Just, yeah, you see the horrible cats from Cats uh, pointing swords at you.
2: They're doing ballet and they won't stop.
1: (laughs) You are all jellical. Yes, like I have. Yeah, I have done this um, in a game for a dramatic reveal of. It was World of Darkness, and yeah, you're in a normal office, except um, some of the paintings have a corpse symbols, the laptop's been knocked over, and there are dozens of mutilated corpses scattered around the building, which I feel works quite well. So yeah, it is good to sort of like... Like, what's it... Like, the gar- garden path sentences. Mm. Like... Uh, what's the example of the garden path? Yeah, like the sort of the old man... Mo- the old man-the-boat sentence and those kind of things.
0: Mm.
1: Where it's like, yeah, and I think you could do a similar thing with RPGs of like, "Haha, you thought this was just an investigation scene, but nope, now there are monsters.
2: One thing I'm thinking about now is with what you were saying about the cats, Mm. I feel like if you describe everything, including the mundane thing, it is going to draw people to the mundane, because it's like, why did you mention that? Yeah like with that example you gave from World of Darkness my immediate thought is i want to look at the laptop
1: yeah like yeah i feel like yeah if you did the opposite thing of like yeah you see demons and you see like dark portals and you see swirling energy in the sky and you see a horse and you see um a dark sorcerer that's yeah, a fucking
2: you... evil horse <laughs> yeah so it's almost a way to give red herrings with a lot of plausible deniability. It's yeah. like, well, of, horse, of course the horse wasn't relevant.
1: <laughs> it was just there. But just yeah, the <laughs> and then if they go for the sorcerer, then the horse, like, launches a fireball at them. You're like, why, did I, why would I have mentioned the horse if it wasn't relevant? So basically... Well,
0: yeah, e- either way.
1: Either way, you can screw over your players is the important thing. And isn't that the whole point of being a GM?
2: So what you're saying is it's a horseer
1: podcast cancelled guys (laughs) so we had a good run but
2: okay but hear
0: me out Mm -mm. you always mention just a random stray creature that's wandering around
2: and that is always the antagonist (laughs) the entire world does have like human magic users but it's the Mm. animals you've got to look out for (laughs)
1: Just yeah, at the end it turns out it's just this one druid who has been like following the party around in various animal forms. There's a wizard buzzard pun somewhere. Mm. Wizard? No, that just sounds like some kind of weird clangers antagonist.
2: What about a warcock? It's it's a cockerel. But it's a warlock. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I feel like if you say, I would like a warcock for my character, it's probably not going to be, like, interpreted as that.
2: Okay, what about a lock then? Like, C-A-W?
1: Okay, that's possibly a bit better. A lock and a warcock. A lock, I
2: guess, would be, like, a, a kenku warlock? Yeah. Actually, that's a legitimately good character idea.
1: I like the idea of a Kenku Warlock who's made a deal because they haven't heard someone say, like, no yet. So when the demon is like, do you want to trade your soul for power? Like, the only thing they can say is, yeah, sure.
2: Or part of the deal is that it can now talk like a normal person.
1: (laughs) I would like to make a deal with a demon to play a character which isn't, like, restricted to repeating other players. I feel we've got a bit off topic.
2: Possibly. But yes, refusing to differentiate important and unimportant information. I like the idea of not just doing it in the scene descriptions as well, but also, like, if someone does an investigation check. Because, you know, Mm. there's the joke of, like, I got a two in investigation, you see a door. Yeah. It's like someone gets in that 20 in investigation, you just describe every detail (laughs) of the room. And it's up to them to work out what's significant. I mean, I feel like,
1: so it's a bit of the, like, not for everyone. I feel like if you want to make, like, investigation a bit more reliant on actual intelligence rather than you rolling well and having good stats. Like, I feel there's a way of, like, the more you investigate, the more, like, things you find find in a room. And then, like, yeah, it's up to you to, like, determine which of those are relevant and which of those are just fluff. Like, it would need a bit more preparation, and you need to, like, be sure that your players actually were good at mystery solving. But I feel there's definitely, like, an idea in there.
2: Oh, yeah, especially especially because you would absolutely get a situation, like, with the stray cat, where, Mm. like, you investigate the body, and then you spend the next half an hour debating the significance of finding a condom in their wallet. (laughs)
1: yeah like yeah, like there's definitely, yeah, you definitely need to like have to write game group, but I feel that if you do, there's definitely an idea there.
0: Mm. And you
2: know,
1: you could always make the condom the solution to the whole mystery.
2: You use it to suffocate the the big, bad evil guy.
1: How tiny is the big, bad evil guy?
2: Hey condoms can stretch pretty big. <laughs> yes, like, did you never have in school when people would get hold of condoms and just blow them up into huge balloons? <laughs>
1: I didn't go to like a wild enough school But yeah Honestly I just want to know what situation You're in where you can Get a condom over the big bad's head But you can't kill them in any other way
0: They're asleep And they're a heavy (laughs) sleeper
1: You teleport into their room while they're asleep Armed with only a condom And now
0: you must kill the big bad (laughs) <laughs> or you could you could
2: like sneak it into their food and they choke on it. I guess. Or you seduce them safely. <laughs> Cause you know, you want to seduce the big bad in order to win, but you don't want to have his baby.
1: The fact that like seducing the big bad is like the immediate jump to for winning perhaps explains a lot about D.
2: I'm just saying, considering safe sex in a D&D context is important, especially when I'm the DM, because I gave a character ultra syphilis.
0: You did?
1: I feel on that note we should maybe go to questions.
2: Quite possibly.
1: <laughs> so there you go. Give your characters ultra syphilis. I believe that's the explanation for that one.
2: Also, horserers. So, um, our first question... I've kind of combined two questions here because they're kind of the same thing. Um, Dolph, Emissary of Chaos, wants to know our wildest PCs, and Justin wants to know if our most ludicrous PCs were intentionally daft or just ended up that way.
0: Okay, so
1: my wildest PC... I've already talked about Pete the Pathetic Paladin beforehand, but my wildest one is so the campaign was you were in TV shows and you were jumping between different TV show worlds, like kind of metafiction one like that. And my character was the CBBS channel. For people who aren't in Britain, uh, the CBBS channel is a children's show for like...
2: Oh, well, children's for, TV channel.
1: Children's TV channel, sorry, for like, you know, for like preschoolers. Um, so my character was just this constantly shifting hybrid between different CBBS presenters that could summon the Teletubbies and could not comprehend anything that wouldn't be allowed on a children's TV show. So could only comprehend violence as bullying, for example. And interpreted all like more extreme violence as a subset of bullying. And like, I feel like around the point I was saying, I want CBeebies as a chat, channel as a character, I was aware it was going to be
0: pretty daft. Although I. Ah. Sadly, that campaign like ended early, but
1: we did manage to like. Um, I summoned Twilight Sparkle to fight the meerkat from the meerkat commercials. Compare a meerkat. So I feel that's like the goal of roleplaying.
0: Yeah, I feel like all my weirdest characters have been intentionally
2: weird. Like, I'm currently playing a six-year-old feral child whose best friend is a bugbear and they're private investigators. I've previously been, I think it was in a Pathfinder game, where I ended up as a tabaxi assassin
0: with a jetpack and an invisible servant called Beryl. Like, I don't know, I feel like I just, I pick, I pick my race and my class, and then I just kind of do whatever with it makes me laugh. Which yeah, I think like, is a good way, a good
2: way to make interesting characters.
1: Yeah, like yeah. Luckily, I, like not luckily. Sorry, like I don't tend to be in like hugely serious games, so I can play very silly characters. Uh, my current, my other, my current PC in terms of the actual character I'm playing is. Um, Regina George If she'd been raised By a literal angel And has only like encountered humans For the first
0: time about a year ago So that's going well I feel like I do have a, a Fairly normal character At the moment yeah.
2: he's, he's a high school history teacher But also it's Monster of the week so no one is normal But he's, he's Relatively normal like, he's not the mundane, but he's... Yeah. You no, know, he's just a history teacher who's been sucked into this.
1: Yeah, I mean, like obviously... If
2: his whole family has names that begin with eight, just because I had to do something silly.
1: There has to be some level of wackiness here.
2: Well, yeah, his name is
0: Henry Huff. and this is Wife Harmony and their son Hank. Hmm.
1: But yeah, no, yeah, I think... I think with my case, it's a kind of... I don't um, necessarily want to play, like... Like, basically, if I'm playing someone, I want them to be interesting, obviously. And if... Like, there are ways to make them interesting other than making them silly, but in the kind of campaigns I tend to be in, it's probably one of the easiest ways. So, yes, a lot of my daft characters are intentionally daft. There's also, I guess... um, Sir Strongspud from the um, Patreon exclusive game, but you will need to like subscribe to our Patreon to learn about Sir Strongspud.
2: And also, that's the Legends game.
1: How dare you suggest that the official Wendy's TM RPG is not the most deep and
0: serious exploration of role playing imaginable? Yes, I wasn't sure if you cut out or if you were just, like, sick of me talking. Yep. For more information on Feast of Legends, see Episode 2.
1: But yes, uh, next question is sent in by a Tumblr anon. How much input are players allowed to have when it comes to NPCs that are important to their character's backstory? I want my, D&D's characters, my D&D character's adopted father to be a good aligned goblin and a former wizard, since him being a supportive father and spellcaster plays an important role in her life, but I'm afraid the DM will reject the idea, especially since this is one backstory element I'm not willing to compromise on. Am I in the wrong for asking? I don't, like, I don't think you're in the wrong for asking, like... Generally, as long as someone's not being completely ridiculous, it's reasonable to say, yeah, this is what my dad is like, or this is what my best friend is like, or what have you.
2: Yeah, it's not like you're saying something completely out there. It's just, this is my character's backstory. I would like to include it.
1: Yeah. yeah, Unless your GM has explicitly said something like, yeah, it's important that all goblins are completely evil in
0: this setting or something. Yeah, it yeah, seems fine. And, like, and there are, you know, it would be good and useful
2: for your GM for p- potential future story stuff to maybe leave like what he did back when he was a wizard a bit more vague and like before he adopted the character and stuff. But I feel like
0: this what you've said is not it's not overly restrictive. Okay, but if you are
1: worried about it being rejected, do the, like, marketing thing. So go and, like, hello, I'd like my D&D character's adoptive father to be the Tarasque who has been awakened by a druid and now runs a cake store. And then when they're like, what, no, fuck off, they're like, okay, fine, I get- how about instead it's a good aligned goblin and former wizard? Just, like, start off with something ridiculous and then... you
2: got to negotiate.
0: yeah. That well, said, an yeah. a, a awakened Tarasque that runs a cake shop sounds like a great parent. I mean, like I guess, like
2: they could, like I guess they could be the adoptive. Like, what happens like... if your DM says yes to the first one?
1: <laughs> then you have a fucking amazing campaign. Is what happens? Like, yeah, like I mean, like what you could also do is like, okay, but the Tarasque's husband is a good-aligned goblin, and form a former wizard, and then you have two cool parents,
0: and also gay. Yeah. So I feel like what we've done is given you a to dad, which I
1: assume is what you wanted when you asked this Tumblr question.
2: So our last question is, how would you go about running a campaign that's more about management than adventuring?
1: Like, so I know that there are a few, like, D&D and Pathfinder supplements that deal with, like, running a nation or running, like,
0: a barony. I think that's the word for, like, your castle and all your little places around that. Um, yeah.
1: So, like, the way it's done is, like, it's done on a more kind of meta level. Like, your nation has stats and other nations have stats. And, like, essentially you play as the nation.
2: So it's it's a bit like save the tabletop RPG? Yeah.
1: Cause yeah, I think the fundamental problem is like yeah, a lot of the actual things of like the other idea is just it's you're only managing it in name only and it's like, oh, you need to go on a quest to get some gold for your kingdom or what have you. On the other hand, the question isn't necessarily how should you run it, it's how would I run it. How would we run it?
2: That is very true. I think what I would do is maybe have like, you do have to answer questions about, because realistically, if you're in charge of, say, a country, or even like a barony or or a duchy or something, you're not going to be hugely hands-on. So I like the idea of maybe you have to answer questions from your underlings who
0: then go and do things. Yeah, so the basic idea would be that that has knock-on effects, like you messed
2: up and now your kingdom's at war and you got to deal with that and maybe, you know, some knights in, came in the night and took your daughter and things like that. Mm. But I think it would be difficult to have it be an actual... Party game rather than a one on one, unless you were playing the underlings rather than like Mm. a duke or a monarch themselves. I guess,
1: like, you could have a setting with a council or like a committee in charge or something. Mm. But yeah, the way I would do it is a LARP where you break into the White House and become the president.
2: And occasionally that guy from SimCity turns up and says, You'll regret neglecting
0: the roads. Yeah.
1: I assume that's mostly what being president entails. But yes, if you sit down on a big chair in the Oval Office, you get to be president. So it's basically high stakes lock.
0: That's also I, a very good point.
1: Yeah. As you can see, I have a lot to contribute to this conversation.
0: It's, it's like bearer bonds. Yeah. Like whoever's, whoever has the crown has the crown.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, whoever is. Who, like,
0: I feel like that you could have.
1: I feel like if you had a nation where rulership was just literally whoever was wearing the crown at any given time, that's a very bad system. But it would also lead to a lot of plot hooks if, like, there was a fantasy nation which had that very bad system. Because it's fantasy, you know. It's, it's not the most ridiculous way of deciding kings that's ever been in a fantasy game.
0: I mean, it does
2: feel a bit like the year of four emperors. Yeah. When basically people just kept dying while being in charge of the Roman Empire. I think it's 69 AD? There were were four emperors because people were just like, I'm in charge now. Stab? Mm. No, I'm in charge now. I actually had an idea of like
1: a management game where it is essentially you are trying not to be assassinated by dozens of other people who want to be in charge.
0: Actually, yeah.
1: And yeah, you've, you've, you've taken rulership, but like it was, for whatever reason, like a controversial rulership, like there were multiple claimants to the throne or what have you. And now the thing is you try to cement your power as various people try and, like get you off the throne in favour of whoever I think this is just Game of Thrones is what I've invented actually.
2: So but what if you played like a cabal of potential claimants?
1: Mm. Yeah, you're the ones who didn't get the
2: throne. Out, yeah, and like you take out the current ruler and then you have to actually deal with running the state. Yeah. And presumably everything just goes to shit.
1: I do like the idea of, like, yeah, the first half of the campaign is trying to, like, get in charge of the country. And then the second half of the campaign is dealing with all of the problems you know have to deal with because just, you're in charge um... of the country. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the other way is literally just roll to fill in the proper paperwork to
0: not neglect work roads. So that's about everything we've got for today. Um
2: if you have a you question tell both of us
1: were quite tired.
2: <laughs> if you have a question you can send it to us on Tumblr or email probably at gmail.com. Thanks to Nick Blake for editing. If you want to support, you can head to patreon.com slash probably or you can donate at one, five, ten, or twenty dollars a month. Um, and get rewards such as bonus episodes and homebrew content. The most recent bonus episodes, um actually also the first bonus episode being us playing Feast of Legends. Um Feast or of you Legends, can head to the official game
1: of Wendy T M.
2: Or you can head to Kofi.com slash probably bad RPG ideas to donate in one time increments of three pounds to help with hosting costs. Or you can just leave us a review on your favourite podcatcher and remember and to, have to have a, have probably, a probably bad, bad day. day.